listening to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. I am just so excited about sharing this message with you tonight. But I have to be honest with you, I was not very excited about sharing this message a few days ago. And the reason for that is because I had written an article and, you know, generally for a podcast message, I write an article first and then I tweak it the week that I'm doing it and kind of add some things and make some changes. And this was a week I felt to do this message, but as I was looking over it and attempting to make the few tweaks and changes necessary to get it ready, I realized that I needed to completely change the direction that I had gone originally. And that always causes me a lot of angst because I wonder if I'm going to be able to pull it together in time. So that was my situation a few few days ago. And quite honestly, I also felt a bit of angst because the passage was one that was kind of difficult to unpack and difficult to understand. And so I had to pray quite a bit and really pray and and study and say, okay, God, what is it you want me to say here? Because I felt some unrest in just in my spirit about the original direction. And I really believe he answered me and this sort of came together. And it's one that honestly has resonated so much with me personally And my hope is that it will resonate with you as well. It's not a real easy message as far as to to hear, but it's one that I think will just be so helpful. And I know it was so hopeful for me personally because it does, I think, really illustrate the places we often find ourselves in. What I'm going to be talking tonight about is just having hope in those places where we feel stuck that maybe we veered off course unintentionally or we've just felt ourselves sort of drifting and all of a sudden we're in a place where we know it's not really where we're supposed to be, where God has promised us. And we're looking ahead to that place that God has told us he'll bring us, but we're just not there yet. And we're kind of feeling despair because we're not there. And maybe we can honestly look at our choices and see that maybe some of them have contributed to where we're at. Maybe we've let ourselves just, you know, because we're tired or we're burned out or, because of affliction or trials that we've just kind of let ourselves drift or you know maybe that it's been a combination maybe there have been some choices of others against us that we really had no control over and and maybe our own own choices but whatever the case we may just be in a place where we feel like we need a rescue and we need some hope about how to get out of our situation i want to just start by giving a confession and that is that i used to be a really organized person And then I had children. Well, I was pretty organized with my first and second child, but now that I have a a third child, my two-year-old, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I blog on the side and my two-year-old's home with me all day. My husband is getting a degree right now, another degree, and he also is a coach and has a side job. So he's gone quite a bit. So I have really just, with the birth of my third child, I've just found it so difficult to hold all the pieces of our life together. I'm just constantly in a state of feeling like nothing is working. I can't seem to get it right. I can't seem to make everything mesh. And in particular, lately, 
I can't seem to get our family to church on time. Every Sunday involves the same you know, problem where I'm looking up at 1030, realizing that some kids aren't dressed. Some kids don't have teeth brushed. We're looking for, a, you know, shoes to the diaper bags, not packed. I'm not ready to go. And we're racing out 10, 15 minutes after the time we're supposed to leave. And we're walking in halfway through worship. And so I'm not able to really enjoy the worship section. Um, I'm finding it difficult to really get plugged into the message, you know, uh, kind of get my mind, you know, calmed down to really enjoy the service because I'm I'm like a frazzled mess running in there every single Sunday. Well, quite honestly, the reason, you know, in order, the reason that this chaos is happening, well, yes, we have three children, and there are some things we can't control, but also, you know, I've sort of let myself drift a little bit where I used to lay out their outfits in advance. I used to pack the diaper bag the night before. I used to kind of really plan in advance so that we could be punctual. Um, but I've kind of let myself go a little bit on that. And I've, you know, Sunday morning, um, a lot of times I've kind of distracted. I get up, I, I kind of think that I have more time than I do. And I, you know, I see that there's a lot of dishes that need to be done, or I see that, that some, you know, bed needs to be made or some clothes need to go in the dryer. And I'm kind of letting myself get distracted and, and not really taking the time of, that I need to get everybody ready. And then all of a sudden I'm looking up and realizing, oh my goodness, we need to go. So in order for us to get to church on time, I'm really going to have to start making a change in my habits. Now, I tell the story because in Zechariah 9, we see the Jews in a situation where they too are going to have to make a few changes to get a desired result in their lives. Though they have been given the directive to return to Jerusalem and help to build, rebuild the temple, the Jews that have returned are discouraged because there are threats of surrounding enemies. And then there are also Jews addressed in this um, passage addressed um, by Zechariah who have not yet returned to the land and they are still in Babylon. Now, let me just share with you what's going on in the history of Israel in this time. I do want to clarify and say that I am not a biblical scholar at all. And this message did stretch me because I had to kind of read into some historical details. And again, I'm a stay at home mom. I felt that this message went kind of beyond my capacity level. But one of the things our, our pastor frequently says is that God will stretch us beyond our capacity. And so I felt like this message did kind of stretch me a little bit. Some of the words were confusing. I was trying to figure out, you know, what is meant exactly? But the, you know, I just felt just the Holy Spirit all over, you know, all over this piece when I was reading it. And it just resonated so much with me that, you know, y'all have to be compassionate and forgive me if, you know, um, if ever, you know, as I'm going through here, if, um, you know, I encourage you to look on your own, um, forgive me if I misstated a detail or something. Um, you know, I, I believe that the, the message is so good that, that, that God wants to speak to us through this. But again, I'm not a biblical scholar here. So I encourage you to do, you know, your own research as always. But during this time, um, that Zechariah was saying these words, encouraging them to return was at the end of a 70 year exile. If you remember in, um, Israel's history, they were exiled from their own land, taken into captivity, 
um, Babylonian captivity. And they were taken into captivity. God allowed it because they of their disobedience and idolatry and rebellion. And so he allowed them to be led into captivity. It was a very sad time. Their temple was burnt um, and destroyed. Their homes were burnt. Jerusalem was ransacked and they were forced to leave their homes. But it's at the end of this exile that this message in Zechariah 9 is given to the Jews and they are being allowed to leave. Um, they have been freed from their captivity and allowed to go home. But some of them, again, have returned but are discouraged because of the circumstances um, there that make it difficult to um, to rebuild um, just because, you know, we'll talk about some of those details more in a minute. And then there are some Jews that hadn't yet returned because they were detained by affairs in Babylon. They had family ties. They had thriving businesses. They had built lives for themselves while in captivity. And even though it wasn't their home, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't what they had dreamed of or planned for, they were relatively comfortable and had established themselves in um, in Babylon. So I want to just go ahead and read to you from Zechariah 9, 9 through 12. And this is the English Standard Version. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the warhorse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nation. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope, today. I declare that I will restore to you double. Now, I'm going to unpack this a little bit as we continue going on with this message. But right off the bat, let me just tell you that we learn through the prophet's words that they are being instructed to return, to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple. And there is an amazing promise that awaits them of double restoration of what has been lost, of what they've enjoyed as a nation, even in their most prosperous state, they are promised double of that, but they are asked to return. And so the question that comes up, at least that came up in my mind when I was going through this, is why, if they have access to their home, the land that they were forced to leave, would they hesitate to return? Why would some of these Jews in Babylon not want to return right away? The reality was, that the rebuilding was going to take really hard work. Even the travel to get back from Babylon to Jerusalem and just within Jerusalem, there were foreigners living that had moved in after the Jews were exiled and their land was still under Persian rule, even though they had been allowed to go home. And there were, again, just threats that made it not very you know, made it a little bit not desirable to immediately get started on the work, that there were a lot of threats. And so even though they long for these blessings, they long to return home, we see that they were sort of comfortable where they were, even though it wasn't ideal. And I wanted to share with you, Robert Tuck um, says in the Biblical Illustrator, that the Jews may have had a false sense of security. 
Um, and so it wasn't that they were saying, well, we're just not going to go back because there's too many challenges. They were sort of putting it off and saying, someday we will rebuild, but not now. In other words, they weren't, you know, they weren't just refusing to go, but they were just kind of putting, you know, they're, they're kind of getting this false sense of security or just saying, you know what, someday we'll go back. Someday we'll help. But the prophet is telling them the time is now and there's an immediacy to it and they needed to return. And I know when I read these words, even though Zechariah 9 records words that were spoken to a group of people years ago, I see myself in the Jews' reactions. I want the good blessing. I want what God has for me. But when I see the path that he's laying out to get there, and I don't know all the steps, but it looks hard and it looks difficult and it's going to require me to do things that are uncomfortable, all of a sudden I'm thinking, okay, I can just put this off for another another day. Um, you know, while we can't necessarily relate to feeling captive um, in, a, in a foreign country or being held captive in a foreign country, I think we can all relate to feeling captive by our circumstances, either because of life choices we have made or because of the choices that other have made for us. And we may know how we might improve the situation or even get out of it. Maybe God has already even given us some steps or a step to take. However, like the Jews here, you know, we're just kind of putting it off and saying, you know, I'll make that change another day. And how, you know, it's just amazing to me that I can read this and, you know, and really just see myself in the Jews' reactions here. As the Bible says, you know, all scripture is useful for our instruction, 2 Timothy 3.16. So Zechariah was addressing these Jews there here and their complacency, but my own heart is pierced when I read this. Um, and I want to just point out some words that he says that are very interesting. At the very end of the phrase, he says, return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope, today I, I declare that I will restore to you double. And I just want to talk a little bit about the wording prisoners of hope. The wording is so odd here. And when I, you know, words that I really had to meditate on and pray about in order to uncover the meaning, you know, why are they returned? Why are they referred to as prisoners of hope? If they've been freed from captivity, why are they being referred to in this way? What does this really mean? And why is the, the word prisoner, which is very negative, paired with this word, you know, hope, which is, which is generally very positive. So I've, I've read through some interpretations again and, and prayed about it. And I think, you know, there's a couple things we can take away. But one is that we can read this as not prisoners of hope, but prisoners who have hope in front of them. And many translations even read it this way. Instead of saying prisoners of hope, here they say prisoners who have hope. Um, in verse 11, it says, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. And that's God um, obviously talking. I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. The pit of verse 11 is contrasted with the stronghold mentioned in verse 12. When it says that the Jews are freed from the pit, um, basically we can understand that it's talking about they are being freed from the pit of Babylon and the stronghold, you know, allowed to flee to the stronghold of Jerusalem. But 
There's even a larger meaning that we can take away here, and that is for the Jews that the real stronghold that they had to look forward to wasn't really Jerusalem, but was the coming Messiah Christ, which earlier in the passage, it really talks about that. It mentions, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, you know, those that's referring to Jesus. Now, the Jews did not have that reality yet. They were looking forward to the coming of Jesus and the coming of Messiah. Um, and we now on the other side of the cross, we do have that promise. Um, but it's just talking about as prisoners of hope that they had been freed from the pit, not only freed from the pit of Babylon, but um, we can take that as, you know, as Christians, we've been freed from the pit of just the hopeless state we were in before we accepted Christ and that we have a stronghold in Christ that we can flee to and, um, you know, that we've, we've been freed basically from the pit just as the Jews had been freed here. And yet, you know... Um, and yet we see this interesting phrase, prisoner of hope, even after they've been, you know, freed from the pit, they're still identified as prisoners. So how can a person be freed and still be identified as a prisoner? Well, the explanation for this is that those of us that are believers have been delivered from the pit, just as the Jews had been freed from, from the pit of Babylon. Um, but there was still, they had this interesting paradox of being free and having hope, but still being captive to their oppressive circumstances and even their own wrong dependencies when the jews were freed from captivity and allowed to return they still had all these difficulties as i mentioned and similarly as christians we've been freed from the pit as far as when we accept christ we are no longer in a pit now i also want to just tell you during this time a pit the listeners of the day would have understood that a pit you know prisoners would oftentimes in that day be lowered down into these pits or dungeons in the ground and they would be left there without water without food left to die and or they would be just left there for a certain amount of time for punishment so just as the as the jews in the passage had been freed um they'd been freed from this pit right they had been lifted out by being allowed to go home and yet they had these oppressive circumstances that made them in many ways still prisoners however they were prisoners who had hope and the reason they had hope is because they had the stronghold of christ and similarly we as christians we have been freed from the pit of our sin and we have a stronghold in christ and yet we often we often have these areas in our lives where we are still imprisoned to patterns of sin where we need god's work we need his work in our life his sanctifying work to work out some of those habits out of our lives and we are being conformed into his image and so there is this paradox of even though we've been freed um we have entered into you know, new life when we accept Jesus Christ, that there is this paradox of still, in a sense, having these areas where we need freedom because of sin that, that often can entangle us. It tells us in Hebrews 12, 1, that 
we often are entangled with sin, but we have to continue running the race and leave behind that which entangles us. And God leads us to do that. Now, the other thing that we could kind of interpret as this phrase meaning prisoner of hope is we live in a world that is hostile to Christian ideas. To live the Christian walk means to live counterculturally. This will often leave us debilitated, exhausted, defeated. We might have the best of intentions about living a God-honoring life, but then we get overwhelmed by the sheer difficulty of it. And we may not even, you know, have any intention of slipping, but we're just maybe finding it difficult to to really maintain our Christian walk and walk in the way God would have us, we may just be exhausted. And so we have this tension of knowing that we're free because we're, we're in Christ and we're Christians, but yet having these imprisoning circumstances, these trials that come as a part of living in this world. So what we notice, again, as I sort of mentioned, is that in this passage, the Jews are urged to flee to the stronghold and this could be really, you know, some commentators say Jerusalem, but really this is the stronghold of Christ. That is presented as their ultimate hope. Their hope isn't in a restored Israel, although God promises that their hope is in the coming of Christ. And wherever we find ourselves, we are not left alone to battle our circumstances or conquer the sin in our life alone. We are offered a place of safety in the midst of our struggles. While Zechariah urges the Jews of his time to return, his invitation calls them to the stronghold of Christ. And similarly, we have the same invitation. Even if we've gotten distracted, we veered off the path God would have for us, or perhaps left the, the path entirely, we have the call of Jesus and a stronghold which, which to run to. So we aren't in the waterless pit anymore. If we're believers in Christ, that we have a stronghold we can run to. And we may be really far away from God, and we may have turned our back on Him, or we may have you know made some poor choices, but we have that stronghold that we can flee to. And Zechariah is urging the Jews, you know, in this time period, even though Christ hadn't yet come, to look to that promise of the coming Messiah and to really cling to it as their hope that gets them through the circumstance they're in. And similarly, in whatever circumstance we have, we have a stronghold in Christ. We may not know what choices we need to make to get out of our situation, but it's in Christ. It's running to him and saying, Lord, what do I do? He's going to help us and give us what we need to get through our circumstance, but it will only be in partnering with him. And it won't be without a work or a fight. We are encouraged in this, um, in first Corinthians 15, 58 to, um, to keep working, to do what God asked because our work will not be in vain. And Philippians 1, 6 tells us that he who began a good work in us will complete it. Um, and this is just a verse that I am claiming right now for this season of my life. Lord, I want you to complete the work that you have started. Please, Lord, I, I want to claim this right now, Philippians 1, 6, that you will finish the work that you have started. I'm just going to close by praying. I don't know where you are right now, but if this is so you and you're thinking, wow, I'm just, I'm not where I want to be. And I'm so discouraged that I just want to give up. I, I just want to encourage you with the words of Zechariah to these Jewish people. And these words that are intended for them, but also intended for us. And that is we can return. We have a stronghold. We have a place. Um, David wrote in the Psalms that it's God who lifted his feet from the miry clay and put his feet on a rock. Psalm 
18.10 also tells us the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. So we have this offer from our God to say, return, you know, come to me. It's in me that you will find the way out of your mess. I want to just just um, pray in closing. Dear Jesus, a lot of us listening aren't really where we want to be. We may be here because of we've let ourselves sort of drift. Maybe we just had a difficult time being disciplined in our life, or maybe we just purposely made some decisions and gone in kind of our own way. Or maybe we've been fighting you on an issue and, and um, we just don't want to let go, whatever it is, a habit or a relationship or a job or, or something that we're just holding on to and saying, Lord, I don't think I can let this go. Lord, let's just learn from this verse, this passage, these verses, this, this passage of scripture. Let us be open and let us leave behind the things that are not your best for us and do whatever hard things it's going to take to get to where you would want us to be. Lord, I just pray for the courage and the strength for the people listening to make the changes in their life. If they already know a step to go ahead and step out and do it. If they don't know the step to just run to you, to seek refuge in you, if they've maybe been away from you for a while and to just press in and say, Lord, what is it I need to do to make the necessary changes to get out of this situation? Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we would have the courage that we would be inspired by this passage of scripture to do what we need to do to make the changes that we need to get out of the circumstance we're in to usher in the blessings you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.